Hello, I'm Scott Sashkin. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Little League Chew Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I love <laughs> Big League Chew. You said Little League Chew. I get it, but I mean, I don't even know. It loses the flavor so Imme- quickly. Literally immediately. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just trying to like the wad of whether it's the grape or the ri- whatever it is. I if I was a big league player, I might I mean, forget about my own endorsement because uh, you can get, you know, the buckets of the bazooka and everything. I would need I'm 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 trying not to be hyperbolic. I really am trying not to be hyperbolic. But if I'm sitting, like if I'm, um, if we're hitting and I'm not hitting, I would put a big. I mean, I think like maybe two or three handfuls in a in a pouch for me, and I would spit each handful out probably in sixty seconds. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you to do the math for me <laughs> as to how many pouches I would go through in a nine inning game. But that's what I would require. Big League Chew is a great example of of, mar- of of packaging mattering so much, right? If Big League Chew was just available in in, in yeah. little strips in a pack, like the same everybody way you pretended get, you it get was tobacco, gums. right? Yeah, it's just it's just mediocre gum in really great packaging, cut up and in the little strips. Nostalgic for so for so many people. But I would yeah. also say, if I may, there is something too because if I take like sticks of gum and I kind of wad it up together, it doesn't have the stick factor <laughs> that the Big League Chew does. Like when you take a wad of Big League Chew and mush it, it's like Play-Doh-esque. It really yeah. it sticks together and there's a burst of flavor at the very start. The, there's the a, first 60 seconds of yes, Chew is, uh, is, is Big League. Yeah. burst of flavor. I hope they should send us like nine boxes and sponsor the <laughs> Seriously, podcast. Seriously, this is totally this. unplanned. Because <laughs> yeah, this is totally unplanned. But now you've got me hankering. There's a Jack's 99 cent store on the walk home from, me, from the office of Penn Station. Yeah. I'm wondering if they carry Big League Chew. They might. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> right. You need a old school candy spot. But anyway, there's a reason that you started with Little League Chew and we got off on this. Uh, and that's because the, the Little League, and I don't use that as a trademark term, Little League. I mean, it just as like little kids playing baseball. Uh, there are some uh, big wallets uh, coming in and combining two of the bigger brands in the space. So that will be my setup to you. And I will allow you, which you're wearing your baseball cap backwards right now, ready for a catcher's mask to go on top of it, to take it from there. Two big names in our world, Scott, David Blitzer and Josh Harris, the two principals behind Harris Blitzer you are Sports the only, I got to interrupt you there. You're the only person, like, and only because they set it up this way. This is not any slight to Blitz. But you're the only person I know who puts Blitzer before Harris. I go with, I'm ranking by the amount of professional sports teams you're invested in. All right, so it's definitely five plus. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but they're doing quite well in that. But their umbrella company, the holding company, is Harris Blitzer. So, do you think there was a fight at the start? Opportunity. opportunity. All right, this is all right. Ready? Tangent. I need a tangent (laughs) trumpet here. (laughs) Make way for a sports ago tangent. And we, you know what? Next time I'm with either of them, I'm going to say, was there at all a a squabble about the name? How how easy was it? I mean. It's Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. No, no, no. Blitzer should be first. No, no, no. Harris should be first. B comes before H. Like, what was it? What were the mechanics that went into? Did they do any any evaluation as to 
what a, a psychologist would say would be better received or why is it Harris Blitzer and not Blitzer Harris or is it maybe a size of an investment maybe he put it 51 point or 50.1% I don't know I, I obviously don't know specifically with them but just given how much actors uh fight about who's first on the on on the on the the poster and things like that I would imagine that when companies like this get formed with with partners and and using their names I would imagine there's often extreme big arguments about how you decide whose name is first. Um, if it is a money thing, if it's something else, do you flip a coin? Do you test both names? Do you test Blair, uh, Harris yeah, Blitzer and Blitzer Harris? Testing. It wouldn't be the same if it was Barnes and better. Salino, right? Barnes and yeah. Salino. No <laughs> exactly. oh, good. I'm not going exactly. there. But I would imagine most times there is a there is a lot of discussion and a lot of argument with, with, with both people wanting their name to come first on the uh, on the poster, on the uh, on the masthead, on the uh, on the company name. All right, I don't know how we got there, but what? Where? How much did you say? It's you know, Harris and <laughs> I had, Blitzer. I had just barely started. Harris and Blitzer, uh, through their family offices, have purchased uh, Ripken Baseball, the the, the 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 youth baseball and real estate empire started by Cal Ripken and his family. Uh, and, and last year, Scott, you mentioned the combining. The same group purchased Cooperstown All Star Village, which is another huge event. Uh, organizer and real estate group in youth baseball, and they're going to combine the two. So Cooperstown All-Star Village, Ripken Baseball get combined by Blitzer and Harris, Harris and Blitzer into uh, essentially a little monopoly, lowercase m, um, <laughs> a, a, a dominant force in the youth baseball business sphere. I, I love where you're like, you know, another trademark, low, lowercase m. But <laughs> My focus group of one, everybody knows, you know, hockey is the main sport and we do that. But in the spring, I'm not a loco. I take him off the ice for four months. He does play baseball. And I mean, you, you need to understand there's this perfect game. Like that's another brand that I, I wonder if that's going to be next in the, in the crosshairs um, for tournaments and, um, and uh, branding on teams. And then everybody knows the Ripken and the facilities they have. And of course, Cooperstown, one of the kids or probably more of the kids on our team, they they went to Cooperstown for for the big tournament. And it's like it, it's it's one of those where you, you want to go and you don't want to miss it. Like that's something you want to experience it. Um, so it, it's part of every travel plan for the teams if we can get to the to the Cooperstown tournament. So I just don't want I want people to understand like in that world, in the insane world of youth sports, and we should probably do something on youth sports one day. You know, we we don't often talk too much about it, and I'm happy to go on another tangent here because. The cost, and let me tell you what I'm getting inundated with. I've told you, you know, my, my kid plays on a pretty high level team. It's, it's you know, top level AAA hockey, and we travel all over the place. I get it, but the number of inbound emails I get, and the the funny thing is, I think these people are evil geniuses, much like the folks at Xbox who figure out how to take the money from my kid to get a skin or something. Because what they take advantage of, but that's kids. So you know, I really yeah. have, I really have it when they do it against kids. But these folks have got figured out the psychology of the parents that they, the FOMO. Oh, yeah. I've got to go to this camp. I've got to here. I've got. Hold on. Let, let me see if while I'm babbling, I can find this email that I got the other day to go to. Here, you pick it up. So I'm not taking up too much time. Here, let me see if I still <laughs> have it. Um, where do they want me to go? Where did they want me to go? And it was over the over the summer. I can't find the email right now quickly, but they wanted me to go to like Minnesota, Chicago, and somewhere else in the Midwest, maybe Detroit for three separate weekends, but it was like elite, exclusive, invite only. 
like let me tell you, sixteen hundred five bucks. grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like six grand, <laughs> and it made the way around that other parents were were messaging me. Are you going to go? And I'm like, I don't know if I just have a, a calmer head or because we do this for a living, and you know, we have a bigger perspective. Like the boys are bantam minors, thirteen years old, right? You you don't need to be at this showcase this year. They're not looking at your kid. Wait till they're like 15, 16. Even that may sound a little insane. But then you can start thinking about, do I need to have him seen by these coaches, by these prep schools? But it's such an insane world of youth sports that for these six on-ice sessions or whatever they dubbed it, first I have to travel there. So travel, hotel, rental car, food, $1,600 registration. I mean, you're what are you looking at? Five, six, seven grand for the, th- by, by the way, three weekends. So you need to go into it. Like, what are you paying for what? But it's all because they understand that if little Johnny goes and if little Sally goes, oh my God, I got to send my kid too because we're going to fall behind. Um, that was just my little tangent on you sports. You've told me a lot of crazy stories about, about your son's hockey experience. I think one of the craziest, and, and I'll get some of the details wrong and you can fill them in, but I believe Jackson had a tournament earlier this year in Florida that started on a Wednesday. And it that was, was just a, that was last year. A that random was last school year. week. Tuesday. Like it wasn't we had like a, ho- a holiday week or well, a, I got, a week I got off. in trouble. I got I, I know I got some side eyes. <laughs> I think that's it was, so funny. We will well I, and I'll tell you why. Because originally one of the big tournaments in in your Pee-wee major year is the Pee-wee Quebec. Yep. So that's a major tournament. You know, a lot of NHL players as kids played there. It, it's there's the winter festival. It's it's really an experience. I was willing to do that. It meant missing like four days of school because it was during our spring break at some point or the winter break, whatever it was. So, okay, huge experience, whatever. That got totally altered because of COVID. It got pushed back. So it was in the spring. There goes the winter carnival. So a bunch of the top teams in North America decided to go and do their own thing in Florida, which was a totally different time. So now all of a sudden, I was being asked to go to Florida on a Tuesday. So miss school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday. And like, you know, again, I'd like to think I have somewhat of a different perspective of some others and hey, do what you want. But I said no. Yeah. Like I I, I was the only one. Like, I'm sorry, this was an unscheduled tournament. I was in for the other one because it was over break. It was an experience. It was a, a thing. This was just another tournament. It was being done just to do it. And I'm sorry if I put people in a bad spot, you know, but the, the fact remains that, you know, focus group of one is not going to miss three or four days of school, four days of school to play in another hockey tournament. So what I did do was take him down on, uh, on Thursday night after school. Yeah. So he missed the one day, which was Friday, right? Of school, you know. Okay, that that that's what we did. But so, so I'll, I'll transition us back actually with a little quiz because I was curious when I reading about Blitzer and Harris and, and 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 youth baseball. I was curious about this, so I went to the SFIA, the Sports Fitness Industry uh, Association. They put out a report every year about how many people in the U.S. play each sport. Youth participation, um, yes. And yeah, and this is this is not just youth. This is all yeah, inclusive. The, uh, yeah, but yeah. if you if I asked you to rank in, in 2020 to rank these four sports by core participation, so people who play it more than once a month, core participation in the United States, baseball, basketball, tackle football, and soccer. 
How would you rank them? Soccer one, basketball two, baseball three, tackle football four. So basketball is the biggest, $15.7 million. Baseball is number two. Really? $7.6 million. This shocked me also. Soccer number three at $4 million. Tackle football, the lowest, obviously. You got that right. $2.6 million. More people play baseball in the U.S. On a, on a core basis than play soccer, outdoor soccer, and tackle football combined. Stunning. And that really shocked me. Uh, and it gives you a sense of, of, of just the scale of what a, a, a big conglomerate youth baseball organization gets its hands on, right? It is, it is data for... Probably millions of, of 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 youth baseball players. We talked a little bit about the real estate here. Ripken Baseball has facilities in Kentucky, Tennessee, in Myrtle Beach. There's one in uh, one in Maryland that people who spend time on 95 will recognize when they uh, when they drive past it. In Aberdeen, there's clinics, there's tournaments, uh, all of these things, which which you just kind of very eloquently uh, put together. They just just talked about the, the the commercial opportunity there around parents and kids in, in youth sports. I think this is a really interesting business. I would love to talk to, to, to either Josh or to David about the way they think about this business and, and, and obviously the ways it dovetails and, and maybe ways it differs from how they think about the, the big professional sports businesses as well. All right. So who do we want to have? I'm going to have to call them and have them on just really on the youth sports space. Why isn't Michael Rubin here? We're talking about data and hmm. you know a, a, a boatload of customer emails and their preferences. Imagine asking all these kids, "What's your favorite team?" You know, and hitting them up with a uh, you know a buy a uh, Jaguars uh, a T-shirt right after this last week's game, right? I, I believe Fanatics has an e-commerce relationship with Ripken Baseball. I oh, believe well, that's true. There, I'm not 100 percent on that. I'm not but. surprised that Michael Rubin <laughs> would be in the same uh, yeah. concentric circle, that inner concentric circle, as, and as Harris former and investor alongside yeah. Josh and, and and David in in the in the 76ers and Devils as well, obviously. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's just so many tentacles to the youth sports. I mean, one of these days, uh, gee, if only I had a sports business publication where I had some say over what was printed. I maybe <laughs> someday, Scott. <laughs> so one of these days, I think I'm going to you know try and and, and look into that as a. Maybe as you know, like what what's next out there in in youth sports? I don't know, something like that. All right. Well, what what else is next? Uh, how about SB or SRX? I'm sorry, SRX, the racing series with Tony Stewart. Uh, how about some new uh, investors? Endeavor, Jamie Dynan, part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And what shocked me is like year two here, and from what I understand, a break even entity. You don't think about businesses scaling, especially in sports, that quickly. I mean, a startup sports business. Getting break even or profitably that quickly uh, raised about eight million dollars at a forty million dollar valuation. That ain't too shabby. Seem, the business seems to be doing great. Eric Jackson, yeah. who wrote this story for us, I saw this in there. They, they've sold out ten of their twelve events, which it seems like a really good number. Um, yeah, this is Tony Stewart is, is is one of the main backers here. They've added some some drivers, and and when I know the drivers, Scott, I know that they're fairly big names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle Busch and, and Kevin Harvick. Are going to be participating. It seems like in some capacity in, in SRX events this year. In in year three, uh, it's a crowded world, obviously, with with F1's growing popularity here in the U.S. With NASCAR's obviously enduring popularity here in the U.S. There, there's a number IndyCar. There's a number of other racing circuits, but uh, I think not unlike we've seen in a number of other sports. Th this is an upstart that thinks that the legacy way of doing things, uh, especially around media presentation, data technology, uh, can use a little refreshing. 
Uh, and again, I think we're seeing this in, in a lot of different ways. I think that the new XFL it would, would love to think of itself in the same capacity. But uh, yeah, I think the, the, there's a lot of interesting th- things happening at leagues like this. And at least on a smaller scale from a business standpoint, it seems like they've been a big success. Well, I look at who's involved, right? You have to bring in George Pine, yep. you know, he, an operator at NASCAR, um, of course, with Bruin Capital now. Ray Everham, of course, he certainly comes from the racing world. Sandy Montag comes from the media world. So it should not surprise that as part of all this and, and the growth of the circuit is a media deal with ESPN, move to Thursday night, sort of focus. Everybody tries to carve out their own time when they can win eyeballs. And clearly they're doing enough of that here to make a real go at it. Yeah, it's interesting. And the $40 million number, I, I actually don't know. I, I don't know enough about this product to really know. I have no idea if that's good or, or bad, but to put that in perspective, that's a little bit less than what the the, the latest NWSL expansion team is probably going to sell for, uh, just to kind of put that in context for, for sports fans. So not a huge valuation, I think, by any means. But again, I think in, in any business, especially in, in, in one in, in, in entertainment, if you are profitable or break even, at the year two mark, uh, you're absolutely doing something right. And, and that's the thing that makes it easier. This is a hard time to raise money right now for, for anybody, really. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that makes it uh, easy in, in, in a down environment to get a list of investors together that includes people like Jamie Dynan and Endeavor. Yeah, well, George and Sandy have a lunch every year, kind of a little sports business get together. And at the last one, I was seated next to Ray Abraham. And I got to tell you, like auto racing, not really my thing. Yeah. Um, I understand it. I mean, we just did an event with NASCAR where we were standing in the pits and on the track. I'm like, all right, I get it. You know, I, I, I get cars, cars the, go fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get the appeal of the sights, the sounds, the feel, the vibration. I got it. I totally get it. Um, I don't see my, but then again, I also don't watch the NFL much on weekends or, or anything really. You know, you know me, I'm a rather, I'm a doer, not a watcher. Unless I'm watching an entering somewhere uh, in in the country like an idiot, but that that's you know neither here nor there. But I got to tell you, man, just sitting there chatting with Ray, who by the way, I still don't even know. I'm not really sure. He might be told. I, I must have asked because it's in my nature. But he had a huge championship ring hmm. on his face. It was almost almost like an NFL super, you know, a Super Bowl ring or, or one of those huge ring. And man, what if I just remember thinking when I left, I really enjoyed that conversation. We were not only racing but it was like it was like operations and management and and media we were doing what folks in that room do you know i'm sitting there eating, i'm eating my my little piece of steak and i'm just having a great conversation um with ray and i'm trying to think who else I mean, just uh, who's who a sports business sitting around was the and, ring and from a, a racing thing or was he I, like a champion high school or college football it, player like what you was know the... i don't i'm shame on me for not remember because i know i must have looked or asked i must okay. have. there's no way i let that go right i'm like i'm surprised everything like, can i try that on which one's that one <laughs> it looked like it weighed like uh, no exaggerate it looked like it weighed two pounds yeah that's so probably know, relatively on. new because the I think 20 that, years ago, those things looked a little bit smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but either way, I just love, I just love the whole conversation. Like to do this with folks that I'm not really familiar with, I knew the name, um, but to really get to sit down and pick his brain was, you know, fantastic. So uh, I'm not surprised that with the expertise in the ownership group, that they've somehow cobbled together something that totally makes sense to people. SRX kind of feels like the PLL to me. And, and obviously in that, in that 
parable, Tony Stewart plays the the the, the Paul Rabel role, but just as someone who is a, a dominant brand within a, a very or, or within a sport, essentially reaching t- towards the end of his career and deciding, you know what, I think I can make a make a competitor here and make a run and have a, have a really good business. There's a and white space. Yeah, the PLL has Tony. had a lot of success in terms of uprooting the established racing circuits. SRX is not obviously is not is not quite at that point yet, but I do see some some parallels both in just exactly who's behind it and also what I think, yeah, the, the white space that, that people see when they're players or in this case, when they're drivers, uh, when they've spent a whole life inside the established uh, structures of their sport, thinking about what, what can be next when they're done. Advantage PLL is the backing not only of the wallet, but the heart of Josai. Hmm. Like Joe played lacrosse at Yale. His kids play lacrosse. He wants lacrosse in the Olympics. He wants his kids to play in the Olympics. You know, this is a passion project for Joe, and that that is invaluable to have asset not only to access to not only his capital, but his connections, his know-how. Truly, an invaluable thing. And you know, I, I guess you know, in, in a way, you've got that here with with George and Ray uh, on a smaller scale. But again, to have that expertise and to have people that care about the product certainly matters. Uh, you know what else matters? Hmm. Saudi Arabia matters these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on, on yes, a global scale, yeah. Saudi Arabia certainly matters. And you know, Asla Pelit, uh, she did a great story. And uh, with apologies to the Wall Street Journal, it, you know, our, our story came what like I don't know, like an hour after they had published. I laugh. I like that we're thinking along the same lines, right? Yeah. Like the sports, like you say, this is the right story at the right time. So I'm glad that they did one as well. Uh, and funny, by the way. We actually, the journal and Sportico had the same photo chosen to run with the story. <laughs> so out of courtesy, we changed ours. We changed our photo. Like, no, we can't do that. Like, it's same topic. I get it, but we, we got to change it. And it's all about Ronaldo and Messi. Uh, that's the micro, right? That would be maybe their last meeting. Um, Ronaldo with, with Al Nasser and, and Messi with PSG. And they're going to play an exhibition in Saudi Arabia. That's the micro. That that's just like those are the pawns. The the kings on both sides of the chess piece, that's Qatar and Saudi Arabia battling it out. Yeah, and and this you mentioned this on the podcast the other day, but it's it, it's great. A previous Asla story where where Professor Simon Chadwick told her that and I'll, the quote is essentially this that the only two things that bring Ronaldo and Messi together are, are Louis Vuitton and Saudi Arabia. And, and we're seeing that this week. As you said, PSG traveling to Saudi Arabia to play Al Nasser. Ronaldo versus Messi. How many times we're going to get this again? Who knows? It may never. It may never happen again. But the eyes of the soccer world, right now uh, in the middle of February, are going to be on a on an exhibition match in Saudi Arabia, and that's invaluable for Saudi Arabia. There's a lot of money being paid right now to Ronaldo. Messi also making a lot of money. Messi has done promotion work for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on Instagram before. The Athletic reported a little while ago that he was also offered a, a much bigger contract than Ronaldo to come play in in the Saudi League as well. And then looming in the background, Scott, the the the, the presumed assumed 2030 World Cup bid that Saudi Arabia is going to partake in. A lot of people expect reading the tea leaves that both Ronaldo and Messi could be uh, very lucrative and highly paid ambassadors for that effort uh, to, to bring the World Cup back to the Middle East in 2030. Uh, there's just so much right now around Middle Eastern investment in sport, and soccer is 
obviously the, the tip of that spear and the place where I think those countries and those sovereign wealth funds have had the most success so far. What was the commercial for Qatar during the World Cup? Was, was it Andrea Pirlo? Who just yeah, sort of he, like, he did a, a bunch of them. A few yeah, of he them, just yeah. kind of walked. I, I, I think the gist of the commercial was to be like, okay, you couldn't make it for the World Cup. Come on back even after the soccer is done. But I don't know. It was such a weird commercial. Like He just kind of walked in. It would be like Andrea Pirlo. And then he was done with the commercial. And that yeah. was it. It was just like, hey, soccer guy is telling you to come to Qatar, which I thought was just a little bizarre. I'm curious to see if they find a better way to utilize Ronaldo and Messi uh, with Saudi Arabia. And this is a good time to to just remind the, the people who are listening to this show in the U.S. that the U.S. is really not the target audience for a lot of the money that is being spent right now by by Saudi Arabia and by its neighboring states in sports and particularly in soccer. The 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 World Cup that just existed in Qatar was an attempt by the the, the Qataris to essentially plant the seed in, into Europeans, uh, Asians, and, and, and in some African countries that Qatar would be a great place to go on vacation. And they understand, I think, that, that Qatar is probably not, and, and for a long time, not going to be too high on the list for, for a lot of people in America. But the, the work that they do with, with Messi and Ronaldo, at, at least by, by, by a lot of, uh, of reporting I've seen, by a lot of metrics, seems to be extremely successful so far uh, in the places where they want it to be. So to the extent that I think a lot of Americans, and I have to check my own brain on this a lot, think about all this money being spent, and I'm like, yeah, is that really working? Like, I didn't watch the World Cup and, and, and suddenly want to go to Qatar. I'm not the target audience there. And, and there's a lot of people in, the Arab um, in, world, in other parts right. of the world that did watch that and, and feel a real sense of pride and, and a real sense of desire uh, and, and, and improve their feelings towards Qatar because of it. So there's a lot of geopolitical things at, at, at play as well. But it's good to remind, obviously, because of the global nature of soccer, that a lot of this money is being spent not for the U.S. audience and the way they feel about Messi, Ronaldo and, the, and these countries, but, but for people who are a lot closer, uh, for, for whom these things are actually seem to be at least having a big impact. Send your emails to eben.novywilliams at jingoism.com. <laughs> you mentioned exhibition. How about this, though? We didn't mention this. We didn't even talk about mentioning this, but I know you're going to love to. David Levy's company, yeah. one of his new companies. Speaking of exhibitions, of course, David was at Turner where he came up with a match, you know, Tiger Woods and playing the one-on-one um, or the two-on-two, whatever it was. Um, but now he's doing it in the pickleball world. How about Agassi, Chang, McEnroe, and Roddick? playing for a million bucks, pickleball for a million bucks. And this I love. ESPN, I, I, and I totally get this. Yeah, we want it on our air. We're going to put it on April 2nd, leading into the women's NCAA hoops title game. Great lead-in for what they have already made or has become a marquee event. When David Levy helped start Horizon Sports and Entertainment, his new marketing agency, a couple of months ago, two months ago, um, I got on the phone with him to talk about kind of what he saw as the vision. And this was exactly it. It, it was marketing is getting away from this idea of 30 second spots or banner ads or you know, the, the traditional signage and, and, and weaving its way into companies and, and, and products in which uh, IP is created. It's sold that again, you said ESPN paid money for to, to have this broadcast. I'm sure there's going to be two or three commercial partners that are going to be the presenting partners of, of whatever this thing is called, this pickleball showdown. This is the way that David Levy sees 
marketing and, and more specifically sports marketing moving forward. And, and there's plethora of, of examples. You mentioned the match, which David was involved in, in TNT with, with Tiger and, and, and Phil, what Tiger and, and Rory are doing right now, which is creating essentially a brand new golf league, a Monday night golf league tomorrow sports, I think is another really good example. Uh, it, it, it does feel as though, um, there's a lot more in SRX, which we talked about before, right? It, mm -hmm. it is creating its own IP, its own kind of little ecosystem, and then doing all the commercial things around it. I think this is a trend that we're going to talk about more and more in 2023 and beyond. And I do think that, 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 that thinkers like David Levy are going to be pushing the envelope in terms of things like this that are, again, something that had never existed before. And who knows if they do one of these a year, if there's a million dollar pickleball tournament every month in, in five years, who knows? Or if it never happens again. But this is this is the way that I think marketing is going. This is the direction. All right. Let it be proclaimed from the mountaintop. He is Evan Novi Williams <laughs> on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I'm Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our uh, digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. 